welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I'm going to read a verse out of Ephesians chapter 5. So turn your little devices on or open your books. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to talk about uh, being joined together. Uh, and what that means, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, if you've ever thought about this. If I were to ask you what the single greatest attribute of God was, almost all of us would say something like love. And that's true, but sometimes I think we put too sharp of an edge on it, and we miss the point that that love has a lot of different expressions. It has a lot of different levels of connection. So I'm thinking about right now a verse in Ephesians in one of my study Bibles, and it says this, when it's talking about him being a father, it says that he's the father from whom all fatherhood and family derives its name and its nature. God's striving energy on the planet is to make many into one. God's striving energy, what, what he does even when he sleeps, were he to sleep, is work in hearts and minds to cause people to connect around him. Because connecting around him makes them more than what they are individually. Now, in a body of believers, we may all be born again, we might not all be, but we all have some kind of interest in and moving towards the Lord. If we were all connected to the Lord, that sets the framework, that sets the ground for us to connect to each other. But it doesn't make us connect to each other. Because connecting to each other is awkward and difficult. And we hurt each other's feelings and we're misunderstood and we make mistakes. And sometimes, sometimes we think that being part of a church, sometimes we think that being a Christian is about being a really nice citizen or being a really nice person. And that misses the whole point. Nice is good, but it's not really the point. The point is, is that being in a family, which God's striving energy is aimed at building until it encompasses the whole globe and everybody, being in a family is messy. It's dirty. It's awkward. It's filled with mistakes, words that you can't take back, words that you should have never said, and it requires such an, an overwhelming amount of goodwill founded on love to come along and say, I know you hurt my feelings, but I know this relationship is so important to you that you don't want to hurt my feelings on purpose. So I need to, after I've pitched a fit and cried and complained and blamed you as the worst person I've ever met, walked away, I don't want to start on that, walked away, I'm not going to do it, walked away and then come back and say, okay, now let's sit down and talk. What was it you were really trying to say? What is it that I really need to hear? What is it that I can or can't live with in what you said? How are we going to negotiate our way into the future? Because families have to improvise, adapt, and overcome the obstacles that come their way. Now, it's really easy to come to church and to be a believer or to be in a family that you limit your connections to. 
that you limit your intimacy with. Nobody can see you for who you are. So you come to church and try to look good for a little bit. Nobody can see you for who you are when you're down. But you don't really even know if you're actually loved until they've seen something about you that's less than perfect. And then in that pregnant moment where it seems to be teetering, could go one way or the other, they choose to stay. That's when you know you're loved. That's when you know you're valued. When they choose to stay, when they did not have to stay. That's how a church can know that it's really a church and not just a conglomeration of individuals. When circumstances come or awkward moments come and people have a a firmer connection to the future than what they've had to the past. And that's exactly what it takes. To move into the future, you have to be willing. To move into the future in your marriage, you have to be willing to forget the past. Paul said about his own faith, he said, forgetting those things that lie behind me, I press forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now that's not just a glib statement. He had a lot of things to forget about, but he said, I choose to forget those things. And I press forward into the high calling. You can press forward into the high calling of your marriage. You can press forward into the high calling of your family. You can press forward into the high calling of your church. You have to choose to press forward to get over yourself and to get over the people that are around you. So that great spirit that is moving and weaving and trying to connect life demonstrated himself firstly in the second chapter of Genesis when it says, Adam said when he received Eve from God's hand, when Adam responded and said the two shall become one flesh. This is what God's pronouncement was, the two become one flesh. Adam said it's bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And somehow in that, there is a great lesson for what it means to actually be a Christian and be a believer. Because it says in another spot, not to get off the track, about marriage, that when he joined them together in marriage, he gave them a portion of his spirit to unite them and tie them together. Not just Adam and Eve, but everybody that ever got married. Everybody that ever got married, whether they're a Christian or not, gets an expression of who God actually is because somewhere in that joining of that relationship, that connection, it takes on another identity. He's part of that three-stranded cord that's not easily broken. He takes part of that identity and he connects those lives and he expresses himself differently than either one of those two lives could have. Does that make sense? It, It is an entity. It has a name. It's a real thing. It's a government of God where you're joined to your spouse, where you're joined to your family. It's a real thing. It's not just people in the family. It's a place where God connects that is different than how he connects and how he lives on the side of each and every one of you. It's, it's something different. And it's there for everybody on the planet to see that there's a new kind of love that powers it, regardless of what your background or your culture is. There's a different kind of love that empowers it, that takes you to a whole other place. That's why everybody loves their children with an unspeakable love that they did not expect to have fall on them. So that's, that's the idea we're working from, is that there is a joining that is different in that joining than with just individual lives. It's essential that it be in the church too. Now, this is a 30 minute shot at it, so cut me some slack, but in in Ephesians chapter five, 
This is the best, this is the best piece of teaching about marriage there is in the New Testament. Not to read all of it, but he says in verse 21, falling back on what God said in the Garden of Eden, therefore a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast or cleave or cling to his wife. It's in that, it's in that process of holding fast. There will come a time that you have to hold fast to your church. There comes a time when you have to hold fast to the Lord. And the only reason you have to hold fast is because life is trying to separate you. But you have to hold fast and not let your mind get distracted and get pulled away. You have to hold fast to his wife. And it says, and the two shall become, shall become, that's a future tense, shall become one flesh. Now here's the, the crazy thought right here in verse 22. This mystery is profound. I'm in Ephesians chapter 5, reading verse 22 right now. Are we good? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says, this mystery is profound. You know what? I got the wrong glasses on. 32. I told you 32. I'm offended now. I'm leaving. All right, back to the very beginning. Start the cameras. This is your fault. This is not my fault. How's anybody supposed to actually read that? <laughs> Verse 31. Why are you laughing, Ella? You want to finish this, Ella? <laughs> Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So it's a process becoming one flesh and how my wife and I became one person, I do not know. Uh, I don't know how any of you become one person. A one person that's different than either one of the two that made up the parts except to say that what it says in verse 32 is that this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So sometimes we look at Jesus and we try to figure out who Jesus is by the way marriage looks. But we're supposed to look at the way marriage looks and the way Jesus joined to his church. And then we're supposed to see how marriage is supposed to look from him. He's the prototype. So when it says this is the mystery, this is, this is part of the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ is that the church is his bride, that the church is his body, and that the church absolutely joins together, not just as individuals with him, but with individuals with each other, having God come along and knit their hearts and lives together so that they're more than what they were alone. This is why you always have to be open to new gifts, new expressions. You have to be ready to walk into the future because if you don't, whatever good the past was, the past will hold you back and it will hold you down and it will keep you from becoming more than what you've already been. Now Matt, look over in Ephesians chapter 4 and I'll try and read the right scriptures. Because this is, this is all part of the conversation he's having even in chapter 5. In verse 11, I think that's an 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers 
to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So all five of those gifts work together, not as individuals, but as one, one part, one, one entity. They come together uh, like the pieces of a bicycle being put together to lead the church into the future. And it says in verse 13, it's that until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's a, there's a oneness. That's what the word unity means there. There's a oneness in the faith. There is a oneness that's in this Bible. You can't read this Bible. You don't have to decide you want to be one person with Christ. You can't read this Bible without this Bible making you into one person with Christ. You can't read this Bible without this Bible making you into one person with your spouse. You can't. Uh, We've quoted in decades gone by, I still do, that we have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God's form within us. So sometimes Jean and I would have issues in our marriage. She'd have one point of view, I'd have another point of view. But we're both Christians, so we're both looking at the mountain from the same point of view. So we could only disagree so long until both of us had to come to terms with what the view of the Lord was. So how he sees it is what we land on. He is the great equalizer of all relationships. He's the great healer. He's the great restorer in every relationship you've got. So there's no reason to be afraid and feel like you have to take care of yourself and that you have to have your own way and that you have to stand up for yourself because you've got a standard of truth that is standing up that will not change for you. It will not change for your spouse. It's always there. It's always the same. But that same standard of truth, this is a profound mystery. It's right here in this group of people. It's right here in everyone who names the name of Christ. He is trying to build us all into one family, build us all into one body so he can express himself out into the world, so he can express himself to us, absolutely, but so he can use us to express us out into the world and show who he really is so that every knee can bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. This is not just about coming to hear somebody preach. You come to church, you are the church, you come to church, you engage with church anytime you engage with the believer to be assembled as part of that body. And it's always shaping you, it's always shaping the people around you, it's always changing you. It's always changing you and changing you in ways and in places and in thoughts that you don't want to change. That's where it gets tricky because you don't want to change. Gene used to say to me, I love change. I love change. I love change. Finally, one day I said to her, you don't love change. Quit saying that. You don't. I do too. She said, I said, no, you don't. You love the change that's your idea. (laughs) You don't love the change that's somebody else's idea. You don't love change until you can tolerate other people's ideas. As long as it has to be you, you just love you and your wisdom. (laughs) Blessed be my name. (laughs) It gets awkward because the leading is aiming at something. It's not preaching for its own sake. It's not encouragement for its own sake. Those are part and parcel of growing up and moving in the right direction. 
It's all aimed by the Spirit of God we sang about to be knit together, to become something different and something more than what we were. To be something more, we have to be willing to be different. So, he goes on and he says, we're going to attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, and none of us are there yet. We're certainly not there as a church. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that, so this is the reason that that happens. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So if I'm tossed to and fro and carried about with new teachings, what it's just saying there is that I've not tapped into the faith that's in the unity of, of the body of Christ. It just, it just said, if I'm driven to and fro by waves, that I'm immature. And for, my, for the record, I don't, I don't move too much too quickly too often. I'm, I'm kind of a wait and see and stay and pray. And I don't believe something the first time somebody says it, particularly from out in the world. I keep watching. I keep listening. I keep looking for the patterns that are in it. Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. There will come a day that you have to speak the truth yourself and not just hear it. We are to grow up in every way into him. Into him. We talked about that lovely word into one time years ago when we were together a long time back. But to refresh your minds for those that were with us then, it means to become. It doesn't mean go in the room. It's different than inside something. It means turn into something like a puppy turns into a dog. So the picture that's being drawn here is that we're supposed to grow up in every way. Not just grow up in some ways, but grow up in every way into, into Christ. So what that word's just told us is that a Christianity that does not make you more Christ-like is just religion. That the Christianity itself, the faith itself, the faith itself should be changing you so that year after year after year, you become more Christ-like in your speech, in your appearance, and in your expression. More Christ-like, not, not cleaner, not a better citizen, not uh, a better scholar, more Christ-like. And your Christ-likeness is always tested in the face of someone else's un-Christ-likeness. That's where it's always tested. We can all love each other when we all love each other. It's hard to love each other when someone's not living up to the job description. But when someone's not living up to their job description, you're still supposed to love one another. There's no safety net. There's no way out of it. That's what the scripture requires of you. So it says, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way. I like some ways better than others. Every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. So we all draw our life from him, but we're held together by each other. 
with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is probably the story of my own personal faith. You probably know this. This is very simple. Church always ought to encourage your future walk with God. To do so, it cannot always feel bad for you about the position you find yourself in. The word of God will always come to you and identify where you're at and comfort you. But then the word of God will tell you not to be lazy, but to try harder. Make an effort. Step out. Change. Use the world around you as a mirror for where you need to grow and where you can grow. Because at the end of it all, if you get 7,000 people in this room, if they're not united to Christ around the same values and the same beliefs, something will happen and it will fragment like a, like a piece of shale. But if their hearts are firstly united in love with him, they're tied with him so that I can't, and this is the truth and it's the truth for you whether you know it or not, I can't betray Gene without betraying the Lord Jesus. That's right. That's right. I can't do that because Jesus is in the relationship. This is why Joseph said it was a sin against God if he slept with Potiphar's wife. This is why David said about Bathsheba, against you and you only have I sinned. Because in that relationship, when that relationship is violated, it's not just Gene I lie to. It's not just Gene I trick. It's not just Gene that I'm harsh with. There is someone taking Gene's side in the relationship. I'm, I'm offending. I'm wounding the relationship itself. So I can't just be what I want to Gene. I can't, it's really bad because I can't just be what Gene wants me to be. Somewhere along the line, Gene and I have, have to come to terms with what it is the Lord wants us to be. And that requires give and take on both sides. Sometimes more one than the other, but eventually it all evens out because it's all aimed at adjusting unto that great revelation of who he is. It is the same way in church because this is about church. Somewhere along the line, the praise and worship team for the moment has to adapt to Jennifer, to Jenny, to Jen, to Gemma. The girl has names. The girl has names. She's a jewel. <laughs> well, I realized I'd said Jennifer once again. I'm sorry, Jenny. I'm sorry, Gemma. That's what my phone says. It says, oh, Gemma called. Because <laughs> she's a gem. She's a jewel. You have to adapt to her, but at some point, you all have to adapt to each other, and then you have to, and then she has to adapt to you. This great passage on marriage talks about all of you submitting one to another, like you have to submit to your wife, like your wife has to submit to you. It's awkward. It's messy. It's like dancing. You step on each other's toes, but so is church, and that is exactly what it's supposed to be. That's exactly what it's supposed to be because it won't change, it won't grow, it won't get bigger in your hearts without that. And bigger in your heart is the point. Not bigger in the room, bigger in your heart. And when it gets bigger in your heart, 
You find that you love people beyond who they seem to be or who they don't seem to be. You find that the one who loves them also loves you, but the one who loves them is hurt when you don't express that love to them, when you withdraw that love and pull it away. Because you've wounded the very nature of the relationship of Christ and his church itself. So you draw it from him. Church tells you, you've got to get it from him. Those are not just encouraging words. Get it from him. And connect to each other. Take a risk. Tell somebody something they didn't know. About you, about them. Tell, tell somebody something. Unveil your heart so they can know you for who you really are. So you can know them for who they really are. Because that's the design of the program is to come to know God and to come to know the God that lives inside all these other people you go to church with. I like my God. I don't want him cluttered up with Jacob's version. Jacob sees him differently than I do. But I can't say that the version Jacob sees is any, any less than the version I see. So if it's real, if it's real to Jacob, and I know Jacob's sincere and he's full of, with faith, if it's real to Jacob, then for me to really know God, for me to really know the Lord, I have to be really willing to know the Lord that Jacob sees. And then I have to be willing to know the Lord that you see. Because you see something differently than I do. And mine is not better than yours. Yours is not better than mine. They're, they're all fragmented. They're pieces. We need each other. And that's why we have to build those relationships and come to prayer and go burn wood and stay connected and spend time together. Because it's in the spending time together that you get to know people. That you make those connections and you get to see what they see. I'm telling you right now, being joined together in the body of Christ is the hunger of heart that every human being on the planet has. And the fact that it's not been demonstrated perfectly well in most generations is not the Lord Jesus' fault. It's the body's fault. But everybody wants to belong to a family. Everybody wants to know they're loved. Everybody wants to know that they're needed, that they're valued, and that they have something to share to make the mosaic that we all call life that much more reflective and that much prettier. It might not be the piece you want to show. They might not take it like you see it, but you have to negotiate your way through life. Then it says, as every part does its part. Not just the key people, but every part being helped to find their part. It says the body builds itself up in love. That might be numbers. Some seasons it will be. Other times that's spirit. That's connection. It's the spirit connection, individual to individual, that keeps the body functioning healthily, keeps the body stable. So that whatever the government does, whatever happens with COVID 2.3, whatever happens with, with Russia, whatever happens in the Ukraine, whatever happens, whatever happens out there doesn't find its way into here and define who you are. You are 
the body of Christ. You are impregnable as long as you hold the line with each other and you're all connected to him. That's the thing hearts hunger for. That's the thing we all look for. That's the thing whether you know it or not, you want. And that starts, that starts. If Jesus would have sat down and, and said to me, now, the day I got born, I'd say, now, let me tell you, you're really going to have to change. You're really going to have to be a different person. I just said, I'm not signing. <laughs> he didn't. He accepted me just like I was for just who I was, knowing that there was a time that all those things became pertinent and relevant. There'd be a time to face it. There'd be a time to deal with it. So you don't have to change everything. You can't change you good enough to be what you need to be anyway. You just engage with the Lord Jesus, and you engage with the Lord Jesus in and through the lives of the people that you connect to. And in that process, he pokes you, he jabs you, he pulls you forward, he speaks to you. He says, he says in the quietness of the night, when you're wrong, when you need to be adjusted, when you need to be changed, he brings healing, he brings restoration to your heart and life. Hold tightly to him in all things. And nothing will be able to slip in here and separate you from the love of God as it's manifested in the lives of the people around you. Father, we're grateful that you connect us, that you bind us all together in love. You're our Father. You're our Father. Make this body to connect and sense the familyness that you hold with them, that you share with them. Knit them together in love, firstly with you, firstly with you, and then with all of those that you've drawn them to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.